I could use my iPhone right now, scan this room and have a digital twin that we could be sitting in virtually if we had our headsets on and having this conversation, but all three of us would be in different parts of this world and not sitting here in this room. And you can then blend that with, now you've got an instructor in the room and you've got a virtual piece of equipment and they're all looking at it together and they're talking about it. They're taking out their multimeters and they're testing and the students are all over the world and the instructor is in one location. Welcome to Safety Factor. My name is Ben Hanks, and today we're talking about new technologies advancing industrial training. I'm joined by Adam Franz, Regional Sales Manager from Mozilla, as well as Andrew Kauser, Chief Product Officer and SVP of Simulated and Online Learning from ITI Industrial Training International. Thanks for joining me, guys. Pleasure to be here. So, how are virtual reality and augmented reality being used to improve industrial training for safety purposes? So ITI is in the crane and rigging business and we've been conducting programs really for the last 36 years. It's all about making people safe and productive in work. What we're finding is 90% of crane operation accidents are still human error related. Um, many, unfortunately, cause fatalities. And VR crane simulation, VR operator simulation is really uh, allowing us to take those operators, put them in an environment where they can learn how to operate the equipment, but in a safe way. And also experience what it's like to operate cranes in all different environments with hazards, yet do so in, in a way that's not gonna put them in harm and at the same time, improve their muscle memory and, and ultimately with their work in the, in the job in a safe way. So that's really what I find is fascinating about the industry. AR and simulation is really starting to take that experiential learning and make it such that somebody can, can be equipped with tools before they get into the real world to do work. So do you feel like this is more geared towards the younger generation or do you find anybody is adapting to this? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I think that certainly the young generation is more adapt to experiencing training and learning in a different modality. And, and VR is a natural fit for them. It's more like a game. But and, and you do see resistance with the older generation saying, no, I've operated a crane for 30 years. I'll never sit on that. It doesn't make sense. As soon as they put the headset on and are immersed in the environment, you begin to see them really uh, operate and behave as though they're in the actual crane. And, and there's a bit of a light bulb switch that goes on because they realize that actually training in this way can be very immersive it eliminates all the distraction of, you know, other things going on and allows for repetition on, on lifts and activities that, that allow you to perfect the, the job that you would normally do. And you might not have that opportunity on the real piece of equipment because it's in use. So we're finding that although it's much faster and easier for the young generation, the older generation is taking to it as well. Yeah. So what's the experience like? What's it like being in the simulator? 
you really can't do it justice by watching somebody on a screen using VR. You have to put on the headset and 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 engage. And and the reason I say that is we're sitting here and you can hear noise, you can hear other things going on while we're conducting this discussion. When you put on a headset, the current environment drops away. You're now in your 3D world and that world includes sound and it includes some tactile feedback. And suddenly you forget where you are and you think you're in this new environment. And that to me is what's real about that training modality is it puts you in a place where you um, you get to experience what it's like being 300 feet up on a wind wind farm or being in a tower crane looking down. I mean, it it actually weeds people out of jobs sometimes because they realize, no, no, I've got a fair height. So this is not for me. So, yeah, and I would say, you know, going to Washington to ITI's headquarters was able to operate with the overhead crane simulator as well as the RT simulator to go get hands on and understand it. So I've operated some some cranes before, overhead cranes, just, you know, after sale and commissioning of them, but then got to, you know, grab the joysticks and operate it and and run through it and uh, immerse yourself in that. It was a it was a very real feel. Um, and the slack control or the sway of the hoist and trolley, it was it was very spot on to feathering how the drives work amongst the cranes. And it was a very, very real feel. Um, you know, I reflect on that and it was a really, really interesting experience. I know that there are some industry leaders um, that train their folks and staff and people in certain segments that are utilizing these simulators to bring yeah. their new uh, hires on board, right? Everybody right. needs people. We need and we need to fill, you know, all the baby boomers that are retiring. And I believe that simulators are the next step to, to engage folks, right? They're cool, they're understanding, but it also gets people in the door um, and gets them on the sticks to really understand what they're going to get themselves into or not. So it helps really qualify them out somewhat to see right. if they want to go to that next level. Is that what you see, yeah, Andrew? Yeah, no, I see that for sure. And in some some instances, some of our customers are taking these simulators to schools and getting the young folks that may not be destined for, for a four-year university to actually spend a little time in the crane sim or, and, and realize that, wow, this is interesting. I might want to do this as a career or as a vocation. And it gives that exposure to somebody that otherwise it would be hard to to get them exposed to right we're gonna yeah. we could put you in a simulator of an rt or or a crawler crane right. but we're not going to give you the sticks to a five or six million dollar piece of equipment to go run so it gives them that um that experience and and you know they may gravitate towards it you know there's there's a lot of um opportunities for the youth to definitely become engaged and involved in those and i think that's what's really exciting with partnering with iti and being that thought leader um in that space and you know, that's really going to help drive our industry as we need that youth influx to take over and and um, and really set us up for success. Right. And that's where simulation, I think, is an interesting avenue to get those those younger folks coming out of um, high school or, or uh, looking for a vocation. They can take this program, it doesn't have to be just an operator. It could be an inspector. It could be a technician. You can you can learn how to do a job in a simulated way before you actually have to put your hands on the equipment. I'm not saying that you never do, 
And as part of your learning path, certainly real world experience is, is involved, but simulation can get you pretty far down the road in terms of muscle memory, tool selection, the right procedures to follow before you even get in front of the actual piece of equipment. You look at a lot of our customers that are crane rental firms or large construction firms, you know, a lot of these folks, you know, you start as the oiler first before you become the crane operator, right. then you kind of got your grooming before you can get in the seat. Well, you go a few layers back from that. They're generally the family member, their uncle worked there or their father worked there. Right. And that's what got them into that trade. Well, now this opens it up um, where you have a lot of other folks that have opportunities because of it. And that's what's really exciting about what the simulators can do. Absolutely, absolutely. So how does it compare to real world training on the actual machine? Uh, so there've been actually a number of studies, everybody's kind of investigating this. And, you know, our, our crane sim has done, uh, we were uh, supported by the NCCO foundation to do a study with them. Basically they did the study, they used our simulators. And um, comparing basically a virtual crane sim uh, NCCO practical exam to the real life um, and having the individuals go through both. We were 95% accurate on the simulator, being able to predict whether somebody could pass or fail the, the real world example. And that was, that was um, pretty telling. And, and that was just out of the box simulator, right? Without any fine tuning. Have we, had we spent time to really fine tune that, uh, we could probably get to close to 100%. So, so very similar. Now, in terms of efficacy, what we find in studying it is there's it's probably an even even balance between instructor-led training and doing and simulation right now. They, you basically get the same capability in both areas. Uh, but what some studies have shown is that somebody who spends time in simulation and builds that muscle memory and his experiences, situations that they may not experience on a real life crane, will perform two and three quarters times more, more likely to perform um, or react to a situation that otherwise they, they won't react to in real life. Do you have any examples of that? Like uh, some, what they might be experiencing? So. Uh, and it doesn't have to be crane sim. Let's talk about um, fall protection or or blood-borne pathogens or AED, right? So if I've gone through a course and learning how to use an AED on somebody who's fallen and, and needs, needs to be revived, typically in a training session, I might get exposure to the machine and learn how to use it. But there are probably other 10 other people in that class and my hands on the equipment is fairly limited, right? We can simulate that exact same activity and you can actually be involved in, in making sure that, you know, you, you apply them, the machine properly, you turn it on and revive the person or whatever. That kind of example, and as has been studied, anybody who's been through that and through simulation is two and three quarters times more likely to act in, an, in, a, in a real world situation than somebody who's just learned it in a class and may have had their hands on it, but didn't really spend a lot of time doing it. So I guess that's one way that uh, companies are ensuring that operators and riggers have been trained using the technology or actually prepared for real world right. scenarios. Are there any certifications or tests that they have to take? 
that kind of graduate them into using a real crane? Uh, well, certainly uh, there are certification bodies out there and, and NCCO being a, one of them. And a lot of our crane operators would, would want that certification. We can prepare them. We can give them practice within the real world, real world, the simulated world um, a prep of going through the CCO exam of Z corridor with tennis balls on the poles and they can practice that which will prepare them for going and sitting on the rail crane and doing that work now and, and taking that certification. So um, we can't certify them in the sim right now, but we can certainly get them down the road of being much more capable when they do sit on that rail piece of equipment. So I'll speak from an overhead crane perspective, right? So there is no certification required for an overhead crane. So these overhead crane simulators are, are you know, the, the folks are, using these at their facilities to make people aware of how they work, how the joysticks laid out, and then, then you can mirror that to that simulation. Then you can literally go put them in that cab of that crane, right? There's no certification, but that's, right. that would be the employer that's deeming that you're then qualified to yeah. operate their equipment. Right. So you could utilize that as maybe a piece, right? Not 100% saying right. that the simulator says that you're a great crane operator, but it it could be a percentage, a portion of understanding if someone's ready to go run that 40 ton overhead crane right. in that process environment. So No, absolutely. And, and kind of to dovetail on that, the traditional way of learning uh, is to possibly carve out some time where you're training on that live machine in a live environment right. and, yep. and it's creating some safety concerns and issues and, and whatnot. So instead you can do that training in a simulated way and have the operator experience things that they're not gonna experience in the real world. You can have the hydraulics fail or the load slip or, or issues come up that they, you wouldn't want to test them on in the real real world. That's right. And those, and those companies that are willing to invest in these simulators and these creative solutions to get training, you know, these are process equipment facilities. These are cranes that are running 24-7. Right. So you think of getting a simulator or a lease or something like that. That's a, the, the total cost of ownership isn't taking away from that downtime in the shipping bay or the melt shop crane, or and I'm speaking right. specifically to a steel mill, right. but possibly at a paper mill, right? You got right. a wet end and a dry end crane. You're not waiting to have the down day or downtime to possibly go train that new person. You're able to get them 90% of the way there before you put them in the cab yeah. and then give them that, that blessing, right? That, okay, we believe that, you are qualified now to operate our overhead crane. Absolutely. And that builds that bench of talent as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the way a lot of our customers are using it right now. They're using it as that program to get new hires up to speed, essentially. So I guess that leads me to my next question, which is how is this gonna help improve accessibility to training? You mentioned you can go into schools now and train people on cranes before they're out of high school. Right. So what are some other ways that this is gonna just make it easier to access training. The crane sims that we offer are fairly high fidelity and typically require hardware. So um, they're not the point where you can just have the headset and use your joysticks because they're not gonna give you that real world feel of operating a crane or holding a belly box. We have gone down the road of now virtualizing a pendant. So we have a pendant controlled overhead crane and it's a virtual pendant. So all you need is the headset and the paddles. Um, so it's beginning to get to the point where it is more accessible and therefore could be 
available to a broader market like schools and whatnot, which don't require the hardware. So I guess we didn't really talk about that. So it's not really just an, you put on a headset and you've got a video game right. controller, like you're putting on a headset and you're actually in the cab holding a joystick or you've got the belly box. Right, so it's married with technology or hardware that is very representative of the OEM controls. And, and that's important because you don't want them learning how to simulate a crane with a joystick or, you know, a Game Boy. They, they actually have to physically use the controls. So we actually use OEM parts from our manufacturers or belly boxes and, and uh, marry that with the simulation. So, so it gives them that real world experience. And it's an important part of it. So part of that simulation, remember when I was in Washington, you know, you talk about that feel, you sit in the mobile crane one, you look down and you look up to the load and you're, you're seeing it, you're feeling it, you're feeling it move. And I've sat in other mobile pieces of equipment and it truly feels that way. So that speaks really to that muscle memory or repetition right. of what they're doing. So it's not just a, a video game per se. This is a very, um, we, we call them serious games. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, uh, I'll tell you, our developers are gamers. They build games for a living, but they do it in a serious way. So all these, all these simulations that we build. So take a, a specific crane, an overhead crane. We have about 250 scenarios within that. And they're game-like. Every one of those scenarios is, you know, run this, pick up the load, move it here, drop it down, and, and they get harder and more complex and they're blind and whatnot. But each one of them is like a game. You get five stars at the end or, you know, you get graded on your your process. And, and ultimately that turns into a learning plan or a path. And, and so you don't feel like you're being just through rote training. You're actually going through a, a a really enjoyable experience at the end of the day and a game-like environment, but much more serious because it's real world. I was over there earlier today and I was looking at, I was watching uh, people play around in The Sims and I thought it was interesting how it also just, it tells you what you're doing wrong as you're yeah. doing it. So it's not yeah. like you don't, you pick it up and you're like, why, what happened? Yes. It's telling you like, you're not centered, you're not. Right. And we will remediate at the end of every one of those scenarios and kind of give you an indication of what you did wrong. And some things you uh, I'm not a crane operator, so I've never really I I'll get in it and, and do stuff and realize, oh, wait a second. You're right. I did fly the load over an individual. That's not a good thing, I guess. And then they deducted points for it or they stopped the scenario and I had to start again. You know, or I was to run it down the path of the aisle way and then shift it over because there was something there. I mean, right. and then they grade you for that or you have to stop it in an area and minimize that load swing and then set it down in a certain area. Right. Um, that's where it's very, you know, that's, it's very realistic. Yeah. So how do you see technology in general just impacting the workforce and addressing fatalities, injuries, things like that? So... Um, it's been interesting and, and, and I have this kind of pre-COVID mindset and this post-COVID mindset. And before COVID, you still had a lot of resistance to technology. You had people basically and the older generation saying, I'll never learn in this way. And um, it was amazing to see that switch when suddenly we're locked down and people need to learn, but they don't, the only way you can do it is virtually. And if you think about it, and there's studies, again, you look at and, you know, my my mother, who's 85 years old, suddenly learned how to 
order food online or, you know, have calls with her grandchildren virtually and all this stuff that they would never have done before. And, and the same thing happened with train. So a lot of resistance that was there for technology bring, coming into the training world has really dropped away and people are adopting it much quicker. So I think there's this healthy interest now in looking at, well, how can this, this technology help us improve our training? We're not suggesting that instructor-led training is going away or shouldn't, shouldn't happen. It should, but there's, there are elements of it that can be supported by and improved upon with simulation. And, and it actually lessens the load on an instructor because they can have their individuals go through these activities and have the computer consistently kind of mark and grade them and tell them what they did wrong and get them to practice again without tying up that instructor where they can focus on other areas. Yeah, a comment, I mean, that's that, it was that during COVID forced adoption, right? Right. If you wanted to communicate with your family, you're gonna use a Zoom call, the free Zoom license for 30 minutes right. or a Teams call or FaceTime and, right. and all these other apps. And I think that that's really progressed technology from a learning perspective as well, right? There's learning management systems, right? You, it was always instructor-led training. Well, right. now there's so many other medias in which to achieve that training. And that's right. what makes it super exciting being tied. I mean, simulators are the really cool one, right? right. Um, but there's always like a learning management system yeah. and, and test and retest and understand. And then it's a total cost of ownership, but it could also reduce on on some costs as well if you if you do it the correct way, right? An accident or or an injury is exponential. Right, right. And a lot of our programs are just that. They're not, we're not trying to say one system is the be all end all for training. So our uh, a proper learning plan would probably include some instructor-led training, a lot of e-learning, some simulator time, and ultimately qualification on the equipment or time on the, you know, real world. It'd be a basket of a learning journey, right? Yes. It's not just, there's not, I'm going to get training done and I'm done. No, it, right. it creates a pathway of reinforced learning through a learning journey. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. So what are some industries that you're seeing uh, starting to implement this or be you more know, accepting of it? We're pretty broadly positioned across all industries. We've had a lot of success in steel. Um, as you mentioned, I mean, there's, there, you're in production environments where you can't, utilize the crane for training and they still need to onboard and find new new good operators so industry any industries where there are safety concerns high demand for talent and equipment scarcity is probably the the opportunity we have there's segments that you know really value the culture of training they don't it's not just you walk in the wall and on the lobby it's oh yeah right. we, we promote safety no 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 you, if you're going down a learning journey of safety, you embody safety as a part of your core value. And I think that's where, you know, you see those in a lot of different pockets or areas. And if they truly, that's where they, they have to walk the talk of that they're a safety-based culture and understanding. So I can think of places that have simulators or I've seen or truly invest in their training, right? I mean, ASME B30 states you must be qualified. Well, how are you going to be qualified? Well, what are you doing to qualify that employee? And there's people that embody that safety culture to ensure that they put their team members on a learning journey to achieve that. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you envision the future classroom? Like maybe 
10 years from now? Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. Um, I've had the luxury of being able to see and advise some really interesting technology, especially around simulation and, and utilizing technology to deliver training. So there are opportunities, even on the instructor-led training side. I, what I, I guess what I see is some of the barriers to scale, even for an instructor-led training organization, is uh, the number of instructors you have, distance, getting, getting individuals into a classroom, travel, all that stuff. Um, technology can solve a lot of that these days. And simulation can as well, because now you can put people in environments and there's, I, I could use my iPhone right now, scan this room and have a digital twin that we could be sitting in virtually if we had our headsets on and having this conversation, but all three of us would be in different parts of this world and not sitting here in this room. And you can then blend that with, now you've got an instructor in the room and you've got a virtual piece of equipment and they're all looking at it together and they're talking about it. They're taking out their multimeters and they're testing and the students are all over the world and the instructor is in one location. I think it's gonna be the environment in 10 years of continue to do more with less. Yeah. The, the, the scarce resources, people and expertise. Right. Um, so do more with less means more technology. That means more automation. That means right. more training, right? Got to be able to do more with less. And that's ultimately your business efficiencies that you're building. And that's where using a training um, and a learning journey like this would definitely support that, right? Your limited resource is that in-person trainer. Well, that person doesn't have to be on a plane coming to see you. Right. You've got that now right there to utilize that technology to train. Absolutely. So, so that's where I see that, you know, where it's going in the next 10 years from that perspective. How do you see technology being used to address the skills gap that we have right now? One of the things we're finding is that companies are realizing, one, there's, I mean, not realizing, they know there's a massive skills gap and they have issues and their issues to growth are not having enough people in the right roles doing the jobs. So you have to onboard them, you gotta do it efficiently. So there are organizations out there that are very good at finding and sourcing talent from the standpoint of these guys have the right, or in gals have the right capabilities, but now they've gotta be trained. And uh, companies have realized that the way to get them trained has changed. And it's not just bring everybody into one place and do it in the classroom. There's there's a path to learning that you can create where you are providing some virtual instruction. You might even have an instructor using a Zoom-like capability to do some mentoring and some facilitation, but having them separately go out and do some OJT and then bring them into a location at some point and do some type of hands-on capstone events, but simulation and can be weaved in throughout that entire process. So it's really a journey of trying to take Wow, this program where we used to we used to take six months to get somebody up to speed, you can shorten it by getting them through using technology to a much faster place than you otherwise would. Right. You you're you're shortening that time yeah. from them coming in fresh to being a productive employee. Yeah. Um providing, you know, yeah. the results that y'all are everyone's looking for essentially. Yeah. And a lot of organizations right now are really looking at that because that's really the the, the barrier to growth right now is having the right skilled workers, especially within the number of retirements and everything else coming out of them. And, and employee turnover, right? Yeah. Um, 
you gotta you gotta be able to get those folks up and running as quick as possible. So right. time is money on these construction sites as well as manufacturing. So you've got to be able to shorten that time frame and get them up and running. And that's where the learning journey and simulators, I think that's gonna continue to shrink that gap. Right. Absolutely. What are companies doing then to address the cost of industrial training? Like it's still pretty new. I have to assume it's not cheap. So it's um, actually the cost of simulation is, as I mentioned before, from a technology standpoint, it's getting uh, more efficient. The, the price point on headsets, the price point on actually development is coming down pretty significantly. So PwC did a, an analysis and they're showing that in parity with instructor-led training, you need to get about 375 students trained in simulation. So from a cost point, you're, you're even with instructor-led training at about 375 students. You're even with e-learning at about 2,000 students. So it's really not as expensive anymore as it used to be. Um, the real barrier is, the, is getting the technology into the field and, and having it managed by the, the end customer. And there's still some clunkiness around that that needs to be resolved to a certain extent. We're facilitating that by just offering it as a bundle as part of our solution. But many, many customers try and figure out, well, how many headsets am I gonna have? Where are they gonna be warehoused? Who's gonna ma manage them? All that type of stuff. And that, that can be some of the barrier for sure. And you understand the equipment that we're talking about here, yeah. right? These are serious pieces of equipment that they are simulating or working with. And I think that that from a, from a cost perspective, you know, if you go have 10 brand new cranes in your fleet and you, and you dump a crane because you have the incorrect training, I mean, that's paid for how many simulators? Right. So we don't, we don't want to look at it from a cost of, it's got to be looked at from like a 10,000 foot view of, okay, where are my, where are my opportunities? Because I have a fleet that's worth $500 million. Well, okay. You know, right. to ensure the success of our organization, that's where you see a lot of people are on board already. Yeah. Those people that really look at it from a, uh, a 10,000 foot view. It's not all oh, them. This one simulator is going to cost me X, right? right. So how many people can they put through that program and integrate that into their training culture? Right, we're, we're, we're working with companies right now that have very large construction you know, programs and they're erecting you know, a half dozen cranes and, and the cost of that in comparison to a, a piece of hardware for a simulation is, is nothing, right? Thanks guys for joining us. So Andrew, how can people get a hold of you? So uh, best way is really go to our website, www.iti.com, it's that simple. Okay, be sure to visit iti.com and as always you can get a hold of me adam or any of our other experts at mozillacompanies.com don't forget to pop into our learning center we have a ton of information there you can subscribe to safety factor wherever you listen to your podcasts you can also check it out on the lifting and rigging channel on youtube thanks for watching and stay safe out there